Hey everyone, I am Farah Kimji and you are listening to the Futura Talks podcast. I believe the future will be built by those who see opportunity where others see uncertainty. It will be built by people that don't look like the traditional leaders of our past, but by women and individuals from diverse backgrounds that see the world differently and who are driven to make it better for all. This podcast will feature these people, self-made leaders and entrepreneurs that defy odds and are motivated to build a better future. We will also share practical advice for how you can unlock your full potential as the leader of your own Futura. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Joining us on the podcast today is the founder of the Alliance Network, Aaron Sisko, and that is spelled E-L-L-E and then Alliance. The Alliance Network is Canada's fastest growing membership-based small group business mastermind experience exclusively for ambitious women entrepreneurs. As a service and impact-based business, Alliance connects women entrepreneurs to a network of critical business capital required to support women to dream big and have the confidence to go for it. At Alliance, Erin facilitates creative experiences, informative workshops, and provides one-to-one business support. Erin knows that building a business beyond your wildest dreams requires access to many resources and that we are better together. Since leaving the corporate world in 2021, where she worked in corporate banking for over 10 years, Erin has achieved her real estate license, helping entrepreneurs buy, sell, or lease their next big step in their business journey. Erin has also become a certified business coach through the Institute of Coaching Mastery and received a completion certificate of the Financial Feminism Investing Lab course delivered in partnership by the 51 and the University of Calgary. In addition to continuous learning, Erin loves hands-on experiences in business and achieves this as an angel investor, business investor, founder, shareholder, partner, and board director. Erin is a super connector who truly believes that one connection can change your life. And she knows this because it changed hers. And that's actually how we connected. Erin reached out to me after we met at an online event, and then she followed up a couple times and eventually invited me to attend the Canadian Women's Entrepreneurship Gala a few months ago. And we have since learned that we have a lot in common and we have a shared vision for supporting women entrepreneurs to launch, grow, and scale their businesses. So that's why I'm just really excited to have Erin here today with us so we can just dive into all of the things. So Erin, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Yeah, so before we get into everything about Alliance Network, I like to take things back and I would love to learn a little bit more about, you know, what Erin was like growing up, you know, what you were like as a child, what did you aspire to be when you grew up? So tell us a little bit about Erin in the early days. Okay, thank you. So Erin in the early days was very, very different than Erin today. And I don't even know, I can't pinpoint it, but young Erin somehow became quiet, shy, experienced a good amount of bullying in elementary and middle school. And that was probably a good part of the reason, you know, that led me to extreme people pleasing and just like truly somebody who wanted to blend in, always say the right thing. I had trouble thinking for myself because I was scared that my own original thoughts might cause somebody to think that it was silly or it wasn't the right way to think. Like it was, it was hard. I, I remember just being upset a lot and talking to my mom and saying, just like, I wish I feel like people just walk all over me all the time. But I know now that I, that was a result of me just, you know, I had no confidence. I gave all my power away to other people 
um, out of fear, really. So it was kind of a difficult childhood. It took me a while to find really good friends and to build like people that I could trust and that really had my back. And yeah, so I, I went through kind of a long journey of just feeling kind of lost and confused. And I just, I totally gave myself away and I didn't ever really think like, what do I want? Who am I? I was just somebody who was always like, who do they want me to be? Like how, when they look at me, what is going to make them like me the most? And then how can I turn into that person so that they accept me? So yeah, it's kind of sad. I don't really, um, I look back and I feel bad. I feel sad for little Aaron because I just, I don't know. I lost all of my confidence. So as I, you know, life went on and I sit here at 40 years old now. It's just been such a journey to learn to trust myself, to ask myself, what do you want to understand, you know, that I am a good, valuable, important person in this world with so many gifts to share. But, you know, that does kind of lead into that whole experience of me you know, losing my confidence in childhood, I think is actually now the reason why I can show up and do the work I do now, because I lived through, you know, that tough time of, I I can see it, I can clearly see it. And it just fills me with so much passion to help other people find their power and their confidence and go for their dreams, no matter what, and that they're competent, you know, like this, this bit of a cheerleader role is I would just feel like I'm the best person for the job because I'm exactly who I needed many, many years ago. And I just understand what it's like when you feel like you're maybe not good enough or, you know, like all of those feelings, like the imposter syndrome and the fear of failure and the fear of judgment and all of the things, you know, that I've had to work through myself to kind of get to the other side, but truly still working on them every single day. You know, I think it'll be a journey. I can totally relate to that where, you know, sometimes our goal in life is to grow up and be the person that we wished we had had for ourselves back then, you know, like it, and I've found like, I can relate a lot in your story because, you know, even though I have the confidence now, I was really shy as a kid. Like I used to like, just go out and stand by the recess door waiting to go back in. Cause I like, didn't have any friends, was too shy to talk to anyone. So I totally get that and can relate to that. When would you say in your story, did things, you know, did that first shift come that gave you an inkling to say, okay, this is what I'm excited about. This is what I maybe want to go and pursue, you know, outside of, you know, after high school, like when did you start to kind of connect with, you know, yourself a little bit more? Yeah. The only one, I just want to touch on one other thing because I do think it's important because when I was younger, I thought I hated this, those factors about myself so much like I was so angry that I was so small and like voiceless and bullied and walked over and mistreated but like I was just like I want to be different why can't I be different why can't I do this and the interesting thing and the message that now like I want to pass down to my children and you know anyone that will listen is that I had no idea that I had to go through that and that was going to be my power at the end of the day. And I just think that that it's such a powerful, powerful, like when you can turn that, what do they say? Your pain into your power. Your your pain into power. Your mess is your message. Yes. Once it becomes, you know, then all of a sudden you, you own your story. And now I just know that it all had to happen for a reason. And I came out stronger and I came out equipped fully to now be like living my dream, which is doing the work that I do, you know? So like it all worked out. And also helping other people through that process, right? Like I don't know that I would have had the skills or been as well equipped if that wasn't my story as a kid, right? So, so sorry. I, yeah, I, no, I'm glad you added that, that in because it's, 
sometimes we look back and we're like, oh, this person was so troubled, but you're like, I needed to go through that to then go to get to where I am because I had to work through it myself so that I can then help other people to do the same. And if you didn't have that, there would have been some other issue or some other thing that you would have had to work through too. I mean, I think that's what it is, but I'm, I'm glad that you shared that because sometimes people think they're stuck in that. And actually sometimes it's just, you can come out the other side and use it to actually fuel what you do right Mm -hmm. later in life. So love that you shared that. So yeah. So when do you feel that started to shift like that first shift that you had where you're like, okay, I have, I have an idea of like what I want to kind of go out and do in this world or what I'm going to study in school. When did that happen for you? So I would say there was a whole bunch of small shifts that started to happen. And it was really around when I think about it, it was around people like championing me. So people believing in me, people being a good friend to me, a good leader to me. And I remember very specific people that like, you know, where I started to to be like, if that person believes in me, if that person is trusting me, then there's no way I could let them down. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I I started to build much better personal relationships and like a lot of great friends and professionally slowly like the odd leader who would believe in me and I it was a a slow process but these little tiny micro steps just slowly helped me to build my confidence back up like going into adulthood Mm -hmm. in my 20s and but then the big catalyst for me I identify it as when I gave birth to my first child Mm -hmm. and I became a mom And then it was, you know, it wasn't, I can only see it because I can look back on it, but I didn't really know what was happening in the moment. But I now I choose that moment because, you know, I I have two children now, but and life has changed so dramatically being a mom, but they have made me without a shadow of a doubt want to grow into the absolute best version of myself and there's nothing that can stop me now like they for them you know so that they could look at a mom who is is going for her dreams and working hard and having impact and just going for it and believing in herself there's, you know, it's just, it's, it's way bigger than just me. So that's been the, that was the biggest one. And again, it was, it was micro steps from there. I didn't, I didn't go for it like the day that I gave birth or anything, but that was how my mindset slowly started to change. And it wasn't in, again, it just, it wasn't just about me. There was now, these other factors that were way more powerful and that I I couldn't have known until it happened, but there's just no looking back now. Now I'm yeah. And I, I love, I love that. Um, sometimes just the, the idea that I have people looking up to me, I want to be a great role model. I want to be at my best so I can a provide for them be there for them, show up in a way that they can believe anything's possible for them too. So I think that's really, really powerful. I was lucky that I had a mother that did the same actually. And and she did it, you know, when uh, my sister and I were really young, she went back to school and did all these things. And, and it was very powerful for me to see that example. So thank you for sharing that. And so what did you end up going to school for? You know, what did you end up pursuing as your first, um, you know, job and career? Yeah. So, so as a kid, I always wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that helping people was in my blood. And so I always thought of a teacher and then last minute, you know, you don't know what happens to you when you're 18 years old, but I was just like, I'm making a fast change and I'm taking business. So it's so funny that you said that. Cause I was the legit, the exact same. If you saw my school books in like grade seven or eight, it was always like teacher, teacher, teacher. And then in high school, I'm like, no, I'm going to go for business. I don't know. I think I thought a lot people make a lot of money in business or something. And that's just what I thought. And I was like, yeah, it was, there's not really any logic or plan yeah. around yeah. it. I, I chose business actually, because I thought that for me, I thought that that would, it wasn't a, a defined path. 
and I could create it. And like, I was open to ideas. So I was like, I'm just going to start here. And so that's what I did. I got, I got my business degree and then I couldn't get a job and I had no idea. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just wanted a job. So I was applying, I was waitressing and applying for jobs and I was getting rejection after rejection after rejection and starting to get a bit desperate and like feeling like, you know, I'm, I must not be good. And so then I'm like, I have to widen my, my search. I've got to just like, I can't be as selective as I'm being right now. So what that meant was had me applying to a bank and which I was just, I'm not a numbers person. I've always struggled in like every math and accounting class, but um, I applied at a bank and lo and behold, I get the job and I'm a personal banking officer at Scotiabank. And that was my first job, um, like my first professional career full-time job. And I worked there for almost five years and I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it, but I knew it probably wasn't like my long-term career. And then I left there for two years. I worked for different organizations doing economic development and community development type work. And then I got hired on at the Business Development Bank of Canada, where I was the senior account manager for Northern Ontario and that was when I started to work really closely. So the, the Business Development Bank of Canada supports small and medium-sized businesses with uh, project-based, term-based lending. So that was when, you know, I started working really closely with entrepreneurs and I loved it. I thought that they were the most interesting, creative gritty, fascinating people that I'd ever met in my life. I have zero entrepreneurs in my family. Um, I did not know one person that had a business when I started there. And I had never thought of it as a potential option for me. But I have this job and that's who I talk to every day. So, you know, I just went out and did my job. But um, yeah, I was there for 10 years and that I really loved the work, like supporting entrepreneurs. Yeah, I I, I can hear like you, you could see that your energy has just shifted as soon as you started talking about seeing the example of these entrepreneurs. So, you know, you're there, you end up being there for about 10. No, how long were you at BDC? 10 years, right? And so you're there and you're working with all these entrepreneurs, you know, what, what would you say was going on in your life at that time? Was there anything specific that maybe happened or that you experienced or that you learned while you were there that made you sort of think, okay, now it's time for me to go out and start my own business. Cause eventually you left to start your own business. So I'd love to like, you know, have you take us through that process of what prompted you to make that move? Yeah. So I I thought about this because I was thinking about, you know, finding your purpose and the interesting part of my story and, you know, how I landed where I landed is that I decided many years ago, I was probably like maybe three years into my career at BDC was that's when I decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur too. I wanted to be like them. And, but again, I had no idea. So when I say I wrote over years, probably five business plans, I took meetings with franchise companies. Like I was going to bring for a franchise here, two of them actually at different periods of time. I was starting, I was, went, participated in trade shows uh, like this wedding trade show because I was getting into the wedding business. I, so you had some side hustles essentially, but I didn't do any of it. I, I got like, I got only like two, one step in two steps in at the very most never revenue generating for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just like massaging these ideas that seemed alive for me at the time. So the funny thing is, is that I'm in the wedding industry when I'm getting married and 
I'm in the home design business when I'm Just renovating. Home. Home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything I was doing, I was like, oh, I could have a business for that. Mm-hmm. And then would like start to put it together or like do some research. Just so you know, that's really entrepreneurial. Like when you know, when you're like, oh, I have to figure this out for myself. Well, I might as well like figure it out for others too and monetize on it. Like, or just the idea that you, whether you did or not, I'm just saying that's very entrepreneurial. (laughs) Thank you. I had no idea at the time. I was just like, what am I doing? I just, I enjoyed it though. I loved business and I'd learned so much from my clients and I just wanted to to kind of keep growing in that way. So it was interesting for me, but there was always something, always something with every single one of those that stopped me in my tracks before it actually became the real thing. And I remember a couple of times being like, you know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm not meant to do this. Like maybe I, I'm not brave enough to actually do it, but you know, I still just kept exploring ideas. And so that's why around the whole finding your purpose, I kind of did that. I said to myself, like, Aaron, you're going to find your purpose. You're going to find the business. You're going to do it. And it was like a five to seven year long journey of me. Like, it's not like, you know, oh, and there's my purpose. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think that's what people, that's like a, a misconception that a lot of people have is that you just wake up one day and you know what you want to do. No, it's like, it's actually a lifelong journey um, that keeps evolving, but it's a collection of experiences that leads you to say, well, this is where I think I can add the most value and what would make me happy and where I'd feel satisfied and you know, where I can help others, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. And then it also just, it was all a part of that journey of me learning to trust myself, learning to hear my own intuition, learning to like lean in and just like let things unfold how the universe wants them to, but trusting that, not controlling it, like leaning into it. So when, but it it had to, you know, I, it's so clear to me now, it just, it had to be the way that it was. And when, you know, now with the Alliance Network and like the other business things that I've got myself involved in, it wasn't, it, it just, it ha- happened for me. And it, it just, it was a sequence of events that there was no question marks all of a sudden. It was like, my whole body was like, and it's now time. it's time for you to do this. Yeah. It's your, and I know you shared with me one of the things that you were interested in and passionate about while you were at BDC was to also find a way to support female entrepreneurs within the BDC context at that time. And I think, you know, whether that was greenlit or not greenlit at the time, sometimes that is like, okay, well, I want to create something here, but I'm kind of trapped within the confines of this organization. And if they're not going to move it ahead and I'm super, super passionate about it, then I want to move it ahead and whether that's with them or without them. And I feel like that's kind of also part of your story is that you're like, I know I need to do this now and I'm not necessarily going to wait for them to catch up to my dreams and goals on, on this, on this point. Right. Yeah, for sure. So what happened there is I did start Alliance when I was working at BDC mm-hmm. and I started it as what I thought to be a compliment to my work there. So I really, like you said, I really wanted to do more to support women. And the message I was hearing loud and clear was that our biggest struggle is in making the right connections. So that was a bit challenging for me because as a banker, I had access to capital, you know, if every box was ticked, but that was something that I was like, how do I do that? But, but I was, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start a group. If I start a group, will you come? And then slowly it evolved into some form of what it is today in, in multiple groups and, you know, just leading these masterminds for these small groups of women and seeing how powerful it was and doing it like while almost like in the beginning driving to every meeting like don't get me I was like who the heck do I think I am leading these masterminds like 
butterflies in my stomach like crazy. No one's going to show up, you know, like all of that, but mm-hmm. just doing it anyways. And people did show up and that kind of kept me going. And then when, when the moment came that the bank was like, you know, you can't keep doing this and working here. So you need to choose. Mm. And it was one of those moments where I say it was like uh, my whole body was like, I can't shut down Alliance. And like, what sort of fraud am I that every month I show up and I tell these women to chase the biggest dreams that they can possibly dream. And I'm not doing it myself. Yeah. Who would I be if like in this moment of like a critical decision for myself, if I just said, but I'm not brave enough and you know, I'm just gonna, I got to shut this down and I just got to go back to playing in the rules of corporate. And it was just, there was no other, it it was no decision. It was just like, nope, this is the time. Like, this is the time I'm going to figure it out. I wasn't making any money off of it. I, it was scary. Um, I had to monetize it right away and then like figure out other ways to bring money into my life. But, you know, I say now, not that that is, that's method is not for everybody to have like, no money coming in when you leave here. I I think there's a lot that's very powerful in what you just shared though, is that you had this passion and instead of waiting to to do it within the bank, you're like, I'm just going to do it myself on the side, see where it goes. And then you came to a point and learned that, no, this is what I want to do. I, this is what I want to keep doing. Even if it means I'm not making money right out the gate and I am leaving a very comfortable, secure corporate job because this matters to me so much. And I think it's powerful because a lot of people have an idea of what they want to do. Okay. Like they, they, they think that, okay, if I was out on my own, this is the business I would do or not do, but they don't always test it out. Right. They don't start something on the side. And so I think, you know, it's, it's a good example to say it's possible for you to just start something on the side to actually prove to yourself is this the thing I really want to do full time? Now, whether you're given the kind of ultimatum you were given or not, or you eventually get to a point of choosing to say, I'm just going to do this now full time. Um, that, that, that's, that, that doesn't matter as much as just actually starting and doing the thing that you want to do. And I almost think it's great that you got that ultimatum. I mean, you probably think it now too, because your whole life has changed ever since that moment. Cause you had, it was sink or swim. There was no like, maybe one day I'll monetize this. It was like, I got to monetize this ASAP and, and figure out other entrepreneurial things I can do to make some money. And so, yeah, thanks for sharing that because I I think people think there's like this one day you wake up and you're like, I'm going to start a business or I'm going to go out on my own. And it's not very, um, it's never like that. I find it's, it's messy. It's, it's not always planned out. It's just, you know, it just kind of happens. And you, you were placed in that position similar to me. I I've shared that on, on this podcast before where I woke up one day and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm starting a business, right? Like, and, and then I didn't have a business plan, but within a month I had clients, right? Like it just happens like that. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So Tell us a little bit more than, you know, you initially, the initial idea for Alliance was just to, was founded on the premise that women were looking for more connection and business connections to help them grow their business. So that's how you started out, but tell us more about what Alliance does today. You know, the client, the kinds of clients and and customers that you work with. I know you also serve some companies. So what would you say is the key problem that you help uh, female entrepreneurs with today? So I mentioned that it was started based off of a like feedback from women entrepreneurs that they struggled in making the right connections in business. And so that was hearing that kind of set me on my path to be like, okay, how can I help facilitate better connections for women in business? How can I help if that's their problem? What can I do? And again, I did have like my my entire professional career was centered around deeply understanding a person's business. So I wasn't just we're development bankers, which is a bit different than a chartered banker, where 
I I was behind. I say I I was so lucky. I got to go behind the curtain in so many every industry, every size, every structure. I was like in the weeds of it, like watching how things are manufactured and understanding how this number relates to this number and what the team looks like and how it grew and what the hurdles are. So I did, you know, I I had this knowledge going in and I I also knew that as much as capital was really important as part of the scaling and the growth process for an entrepreneur, there's so many other things that go along with that. And, you know, there's grants and there's people and partnerships and resources and like a whole support team. It Like the list goes on and on of all of the things that are required from an entrepreneur to build a successful business. So I think that was my angle is that, you know, there, the banks were going to handle the money and I was going to handle all the other pieces or I was going to try to, I was going to help. I was going to connect them to each other and then all any other resource that was required to support them to get into the next level of their business. Um, I also knew that every founder, every small business owner, regardless of where they were at in their journey, had gone through a lot to get to where they sat today, even if it was only six months in, or, you know, 25 years in, it didn't matter. You know, you, like you said, everybody starts somewhere and then just goes and figures it out. So I knew that there was so much knowledge to share among amongst each other. And I wanted to pull that out with a goal of, you know, you might have done this and you can make this woman's journey a little tiny bit smoother. And what I learned is that people want women, that's who I support inside Alliance. They want to do that. They are happy to sit there and say, I experienced this. It was a bit hard, but in the end, I found this person or this company or this resource that got me to the other side. And here's, here's a name, here's a website, here's an email address, you go do it too. And that was, it just, I say it like, it felt like relationships were built so quickly. The feedback was amazing. You know, there was, I just was, I couldn't have imagined the impact that, Mm -hmm this would have before I started just like trying to solve this little problem for free just to help. And yeah, so that was, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, it totally does. And I I think that, you know, while you were doing it initially for free, there's so much value in getting the right people in the room together so that they can learn and feed off of each other and help each other grow their businesses. And like you say, share experiences, like, we're naturally inclined, I think, as humans, but especially as women to, like you said, if you've experienced a problem and then you see someone else going through it to want to help them and ease, ease their way. But now imagine you have a room full of women who are, you know, all in early stages of building their businesses, experiencing different challenges at the same time. Like that's a very powerful room to be in, right? And it's, there's so much value. And I do think that a lot of times the entrepreneurial journey is so lonely. So you found a way to curate an experience for people to A, make some friends, make some connections, grow their network, solve their problems, like all the things essentially that women need in the early stages of their business. So I that does answer, you know, my question, but I'd love to to hear from you as well. How has Alliance evolved since that, right? So you were like, okay, now that I know there's value in bringing women together and helping them and sharing resources, you know, how did you structure your first business model and how has it kind of grown and evolved since since that initial point? Yeah. So it's grown. So it's a membership-based model. Uh, There's a monthly fee to be put in your own group. And like you said, I curate each group. So there is a really diverse and powerful amount of skills and knowledge and experience at the table um, and no direct competitors. So it's a really safe place to come and 
openly share what's going on. Um, and it's for, it's for women of all stages. So I do have a group that I do call my medium sized group and they are, you know, some of them are upwards of, you know, 20, $50 million in revenue. And those conversations are normally largely focused around team building and HR and leadership and retention and attraction and all that. So there is like, it's it's very diverse because it doesn't matter if you're still writing your business plan or you're leading a 300 person team, mm-hmm. you know, having like-minded people around you is just, it's a game changer uh, and leading any business. So I always say inside Alliance, we will support you and talk about every single aspect of building and scaling a business outside of your core operation. So we talk about the financial, the HR, the marketing, the strategy, the mindset, um, and then your core operation. So whether you're manufacturing something or provide you're a coach or, you know, fitness, whatever it might be, you're the expert in that field. So we don't come and like tell you how to do that better because we don't know. Um, but all the other pillars of building a business is where you're going to get supported through Alliance. Sometimes experts are brought in. So yeah, there's approximately 12 women in each group. They function very much like a mastermind. They're once a month for two hours, led off of an agenda, extremely focused on business. The other, so besides your mastermind group, There's an online community for every member to connect with each other and in between meetings. And then there's also workshops and networking events, which also provide additional opportunities to build relationships with women outside of your group. Or because the mastermind groups are very business focused, there isn't a ton of space just to have flowy conversation you know what I mean like the, the relationship building conversation yeah. so that will happen at more casual events where they're not as structured and the purpose is to you know just build real have a personal work and social yeah. and, however yeah. that kind of unfolds for you you got more control over that but I try to keep the meetings very you know, I'm very respectful that I know how busy everyone is and to show up for two hours of your month. I, you know, the goal is that you leave every single meeting with one or more really valuable nuggets of information that help you get your business to the next level prior to the next meeting. And you just keep going. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And in having run, I would have liked, like, I love it so much because I'm like, this is exactly, I'm now four to five years into my entrepreneurial journey, but this is something I I would want right now, but also very early on in my journey, this is something I would have loved to be a part of because as you know, um, as well, like it can, it can be a lonely journey. And so just having other people who are on that same, you know, journey with you, um, experiencing all the things like being able to talk to them about the challenges you're having in your business. I, I do really believe there is a lot of value in that. So I love that you've created something that is solving a real problem in the marketplace that I think, um, is, is necessary to help women as they're growing their companies, whatever stage they're at. So you know, having run these now, you know, for, for some time, what would you say that you see as the top three challenges that women face in their entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. So I would say, I thought about that one before I wrote them down, actually the top three, what did I use? where is it? Okay. So networking for sure. Mm-hmm. financial acumen and honestly just learning learning to trust themselves like every I actually just had a meeting it was interesting and my answer was the exact same and the question was what is the most important thing that you've learned about yourself or about your business like in the last little while that like comes to life and there was a few other questions on the paper but 
we went around after and every single member in that meeting said that it was learning to trust themselves and hear their intuition, every single one of them. So that was pretty incredible, right? Yeah. 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 So that is, um, yeah, that's probably, I, I just love that one because it's been such a huge one for me too. Um, and then funding, funding is always, you know, in the top three somewhere, um, along. Let's get, let's get a little more into the funding piece. Um, so, because I know you've had a lot of experience working in that space, Uh, You know, we have a shared goal of eventually starting a fund to invest in women-led businesses. Tell us a little bit more about what you are seeing and experiencing with respect to the funding landscape and specifically, you know, more so in Canada, North America, but, you know, we're in Canada. So we'd love to hear your, your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So my thoughts are, so as you mentioned, my big goal is that I want to be a part. I want to get back into the funding landscape specifically for women because I see the funding and the financing landscape for small and medium-sized businesses as a bit tough. So I see three separate pots and this is how I would support somebody in accessing capital for their business. So there's grants, which are largely controlled by the government There are more and more private companies putting out programs like Visa and UPS, um, but they're either, it's still largely government-based. And from my experience, especially for women, they're either super tiny, like Like 10,000, yeah, yeah, under 5,000 or under, or they only cover such a small portion of the project. So I'm in Northern Ontario and we have access to a little bit more capital through the government than the South, it seems, but it'll cover like 25 to 50% of the project. And then you still need to come up, you still need to go out and raise the other half of it. So it's, it's helpful to a point, but especially the women programs, they kind of frustrate me because They are presented and marketed like, you know, they're doing so much for women and we support women. And then they're like, apply for this grant of $2,000. And it's just like, yeah, some of it's smoke, smoke and mirrors. Like I find that a lot of these programs have a lot of the mentorship and, you know, they put out, you know, they have workshops and they have all of this. And it's like, well, actually women, they, they need that, but they just need the money sometimes, right? To actually yeah. get the business idea going. And like significant and, money. You yeah. can't grow your business on two grand. Like you can't. Yeah. Five yeah. grand even. Like to me, we need like a hundred grand, $500,000. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is the even level 25, of 50,000, like whatever exactly. it may be, just get started in. And even that is tight, right? But Two grand is not, is not going to do anything. It's like a little bit like the, here you go. on the head. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, here's a little cookies at the bake sale. And like, that's not what women are doing. Newsflash. Like we're doing really big, crazy world altering things with no money. (laughs) With like finding it really difficult to access the right amount of structured capital. Mm -hmm. And then there is the private capital scene. And that is where I've been kind of trying to spend most of my time. I'm fascinated in there because there are no banks. Sorry, I can back up to banks. So banks, in my experience, they play an important role. However, They are very corporate, which what I mean by that is there's a lot of rules to follow. It's very black and white. It's you need to tick this box, you know, are these five boxes or these 10 boxes? And if not, then the answer is no. So it's it's just it's sometimes difficult to tick every single box. As we know, when you're building a business, depending on your phase, depending on what you came in with, depending on an infinite amount of factors, you might not tick every box in the moment that you desperately need the capital. So it's just, it's a challenge. And then 
On the private capital side, I do find that Canada specifically is not as advanced or willing to take the risks as some other developed countries. However, the positive thing is, is that I'm starting to see and feel a shift there. And I'm starting to learn about some really interesting private equity and venture capital and angel groups coming together with, you know, an investment thesis or a mission to support really interesting types of projects and diverse entrepreneurs. So I'm feeling really hopeful on the private capital side. And it's probably why I'm like, I want to get in there and like, you know, play. What's, what's interesting too, though, on the private side, from what I've experienced is while there is a little more um, flexibility and more dollars than, you know, grants or from the bank, it still isn't flowing to women. Like if we look at the percentages of how much is actually going to women, we hear those stats of only 2% of, you know, private venture capital dollars went to women, all of that. And that's why I think what you're doing and what, you know, we both have the goal to do is so important because I think if there's, if the money were in the hands of women to give out to other women, I do think that those numbers would change. And, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot more space and opportunity in the private side to really make a difference. You know, I, so I agree with you and I'm excited that things have been changing, right? Um, we've seen some positive changes, but I think they're very, just like moving the needle and just very incremental. There's no big quantum leaps of saying there's a lot that we need to catch up on to even the playing field and get money flowing to women led businesses businesses that once they do have that capital or when they do grow, they're like, I forget all the stats right now off the top of my head, but they're far more successful um, in, in, in the long term, often women led businesses. So I do, you know, there's a, definitely the business cases there. So I haven't really, sometimes I struggle with the fact that the numbers haven't caught up. And that's part of the reason I think that fuels me personally to say, let, let, let's be a part of making sure the numbers catch up. I agree. And you're right. The interesting thing is, and there is a ton of stats around it, and I don't, I won't have them at my fingertips either, but the really interesting part is that as much as the numbers are slowly increasing at best, what women are doing with little is like, we're changing the statistics on our own without the capital. You know, like you said, we are leading, we are financially responsible. We are leading profitable companies. We are growing bigger companies. Um, Of the Fortune 500, there's like five led by women. And those five, every single one of them are the top performing companies of all the Fortune 500 companies. So in leadership, in corporate, and in business, women are doing more successfully like really successfully it's just this but we're still not getting the money to do it but we're figuring out how to do it in other ways yeah and we're doing it so the opportunity is massive like it's yeah it's I think massive. it's massive because there's a lot of desire for it too from women to lead their own financial future to be the leader of that to take ownership of that to get that financial freedom, but also to build a business that can fit with their lifestyle more um, as well, right? Like there's just, I I know so many women that if they could, they would start a business, but there's still, you know, again, all these, the fear around it, the feeling like, okay, there's not access to capital, all of these things that maybe are stopping them, right? So I'd, I'd actually love to hear from you on that front. Like if you were to you know, if if we had someone who's listening today and they're thinking about starting their first business, you know, what would be the advice that you would want to give them? Like what, what would you say is important for them to know, um, in the process of starting their first business? So in the beginning, um, I kind of mentioned it, but you will, you will know, you know, when it's right to start and maybe your first business is not your forever business. And that's okay too. Um, getting started is the hardest part. 
But once you're started, my experience was, is that the first year was actually not as hard as the second year, because I felt like I was like, me and my business were like, we were in our first year of dating. And like, I loved it so much. And I was doing all the things I was taking the courses, and I was trying to do this, that and the other thing. And curious and exploring. And there was a bit of pressure off me to like make tons of money because in your first year, you're, you know, I was, I gave myself some grace to be like, I got to figure it out. Like I'm, I'm going to figure it out. And I went full speed ahead and figured it out and fell in love with my business. And then now being coming to the end of my second year on my own, it has actually felt a bit harder because there's more pressure on myself to like, it's year two. So like, get it together. And yeah. you know what I mean, like you, you kind of had your year to do all the figuring out. And now it's like the real stuff, the processes and the systems yes. and finding efficiencies and hiring help and your strategy and how, you know, posting and attracting and you set a goal and, you know, you fell short of it. So what's, what's going on there? You know, are you really meant mm -hmm. to do this? Like, I feel like it's a whole new host of emotions yeah. in the second year of like the pressure and the money and all of the things, but my ultimate advice for me, so two things, actually two things that have been like a game changer for me. Number one is you need to fall in love with the process and the journey of building, mm -hmm. not the one who, to make this up. I've heard it before, but I'm living it now. And it's, it's just so without that, it's really hard. It's really yeah. hard to be a, a business owner and to chase a big dream and try to figure it all out. And there's hard days. And if you don't love every aspect, pretty much of like what it's all about, it's going to be easy to fall out of it and get a job to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I love, I actually love this analogy that you've given because you know, that first year being like that honeymoon phase of a relationship, it's such a good example. Cause you're like, it's all new. It's all fresh. You're experiencing things for the first time. And then in the second year, like, okay, we're doing this again. We're going through Christmas dinner again, whatever, but we're, go we're going through this cycle again. And now it's like, are we on the right track? Is, are we compatible? Do we, have we laid a good foundation? Right. And the same can be true in, in business. It's like, do I, do I still want to pursue this path? Right. Am I still in love with it? Do I want to get through the hard times with this business or with that person? But in this example, with my business, you know, and I, I totally feel that, that, um, there's no shortage of ideas, especially in that first year. And then the second year is about like really laying the foundation, getting the systems and processes in place. And I agree like that journey, if you're just waiting for the end result of what you think your business is going to get you, you know, that, that the big money in your bank account or the um, street cred or whatever, if you're doing it for those reasons, yeah, like that's not going to be very fun. <laughs> you're not going to enjoy well, if it. If it doesn't happen, then no, it might yeah, not happen in the time frame. I've also learned to kind of let go of time as best as I can yeah. and stop trying to think that I'm like the keeper and the controller of like all time and how, how it's all supposed to work on this time frame And to really, I've just more shifted my own mindset around showing up every day as like the best possible version that I can muster for that day. And just to move the needle a little tiny bit and just to keep going and like, let go of this like constraint of time but the other, the second piece is, which has also is like the only other reason I sit here today and continue on the journey is because I have built a really amazing network. 
mm-hmm. of powerful, inspirational, supportive, like-minded people that on my hard days, give me everything I need to never give up, who pour into me, who tell me that I can do it, that I'm worthy of this, that I'm the best person for the job, that I've got everything that it takes, who inspire me with their own actions when I watch them like walk through fire for their own goals. And it just, it pulls me right out of whatever mental funk I I'm in in that moment. And it's just been, you know, I did. It is a part of my business and it's, it's not just a plug for that, but it has, I can't speak highly enough about how game changing at every stage that has been for me. And it's just, yeah, I, I don't know everything else I can figure out. You know, you go along, you go along, but there's going to be hard days and there's going to be hard moments. And how are you getting yourself out of it? And the journey is also not always super sexy and fun. So how are you making it be like the, the best journey possible? And like the one consistent answer is to have other people in your circle that are on a similar journey in the trenches with you, you know, some slightly ahead and some with you and maybe some slightly behind that are, that just believe in you, that just believe in you no matter what. And you believe in them as well. And, you know, you'll just, you will amaze yourself, like blow your own mind at what you're capable of doing when you have people around you that are like just your cheerleaders that are that are pushing you forward every day like you'll you'll look back one day and just be so impressed with yourself that Mm. you're sitting or standing or you know you're you are where you are and I bet you any money you can pinpoint that to a few people that like were really, really critical helpers along the way. Like you'll be hard pressed to find anybody that got to where they are today. And they're going to say, I did it all by myself. You know, I've listened to a few interviews with CEOs and when they're asked, what was the most critical thing in your um, success or to get you to where you are today? And it's always another person, like 90% of the times they have named either a specific person or a specific, you know, group of people that helped them to get to where they are. And, and, you know, they also say that you're the sum of the five people you hang around with most. Right. And I get that there's people in our life that we have to hang around with, but if you're feeling like you want to upgrade your circle and you want to be in rooms with other driven, like-minded individuals, I absolutely believe that, you know, looking into Alliance and finding a mastermind or group that you can be a part of is a really good, really good option, especially if you're feeling lonely in your journey or you're just getting started. So with that, I know you and I could chat for hours on end about all of these things as we love to do, but what we're going to do now is wrap it up. And I would love for you to share how our audience can actually get in touch with you, learn more about Alliance Network, maybe even join Alliance Network. So share all of your handles and all the best ways to get a hold of you. And we'll also add that into our show notes as well. Amazing. Thank you. So the website is alliance.ca, which again is E-L-L-E-I-A-N-C-E-L-I-N-C-E is the website. And on social, the two best places I hang out are Instagram and the handle there is L-E-L-L-E dot I-A-N-C-E or on LinkedIn, which is just my name, which is Erin Cisco. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Erin. It was such a pleasure as always to chat with you about all the things we both love so much. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Futura Talks. I hope it has left you inspired and motivated to pursue your dreams, find your calling, and follow your heart in your life and business. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean so much to me if you would consider leaving a review and better yet, sharing this episode with someone who will be inspired to start building their own Futura. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and I will see you next week.